Thanks for joining us for another inspiring message from Elevate Church in Perth, Australia. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app, available wherever you download your apps. This is week three in this uh, series. I'm so glad you're here. And I really hope that today God's going to speak to a a very specific group of us. I mean, I I hope he speaks to all of us, but there'll be a specific group of us that I think God's got a, a word of hope for you this morning. Question, uh, how many of you, either in your vehicle or you were traveling in someone else's vehicle, have you ever, how many of you have ever been bogged? Now, just to, so those of you listening on podcast from countries other than Australia, we call it bogged. It actually sounds like it sounds. Uh, you probably call it stuck, but uh, in your vehicle, maybe you're traveling on a, a soft surface and your vehicle has kind of, you know, Got bogged, got stuck. For me, when I was in uh, university, I was driving a a 1976 Holden HQ Kingswood stick shift, three in the tree was called. Uh, It was, uh, there's a picture of it here, it's a sunburst orange. Sun, hey man, come on, come on. If you're gonna go in, go all in, I say. Sunburst orange with a white roof and a not very aerodynamic uh, sun visor on the front. Some of my buddies and I decided to have an overnighter at Anstey Beach. Now, if you uh, ask Google or Apple Maps, uh, Anstey Beach will not actually appear on your map software. And the reason it won't appear is because you're not actually meant to go there. There's not actually any roads in. Well, not any proper roads. There's a little kind of dune, and if you kind of shimmy and shake, you can kind of get near the water. And so we took, uh, and you could fit uh, legally six people in this vehicle, typically many more than that. And so my buddies and I decided to do an overnight at Anstey Beach, and uh, we maneuvered my Kingswood in there, and we, we spent the night there. It was a pretty windy night. A lot of sand, a lot of sand the next morning in, in places that I didn't know sand could get into. Uh, and it included waking up in the morning with um, the wheels of my HQ Kingswood no longer above the level of the sand. Uh, so I got in, you know, I was 18. 18, a lot of 18-year-olds, your uh, confidence exceeds your competence. And so I'm like, this isn't going to be a problem. Come on, let me just get in here. Now I have no idea what I'm doing. I've never been four-wheel driving. I've never been in the lesson how to drive in the sand. I just got to, you know, I'm in. Put this thing in first, stay, pop the clutch, drop it. You kind of get the idea. The car just went, instead of going forward, as the manufacturers designed it to do, it just went down and down and down and got what we would call more bogged, which is kind of funny. I don't know if bogged is like a sliding scale or you get bogged by degrees. Either way, I wasn't moving. But here's the thing. It, it, it was very fortuitous that in this era, there was a, a fashion, uh, popular fashion item that proved to be, I don't know if it's what the manufacturers had in mind, but it proved to be immensely helpful. How many of you remember the Surfer Joe thong? Remember, now again, American listeners, we're not talking about what you think we're talking about when we mention thong, because we use these thongs to get us out of being uh, stuck in sand, which if you think that we're thinking what you're talking about in America as being a thong, that makes absolutely no sense. 
A Surfer Joe thong, piece of footwear, is not like a Haviana. This thing, if you missed it in your uh, growing up, or maybe you unfortunately didn't grow up in High Wycombe in, uh, <laughs> in the 70s and 80s, you maybe kind of skipped a, a, a life lesson. Surfer Joe thongs are actually four stories high, and, and they are actually as wide as they are long. Now, just in case you're wondering, you can still buy them today. I told that to Louie yesterday. She's like, no way. I'm like, sweetheart, she asks the internet. Sure enough, only between $15 and $17 for the pair. <laughs> I'd pay that much just for each of them. But anyway, so the advantage is that every one of my buddies was wearing Surfer Joes. So, so here's the deal. I'm in the HQ, I'm bugged, my buddies just pop off the Surfer Joes. You would not believe just how much sand those Surfer Joes can move. We were, we were, and so they're digging this thing. We're moving metric tons in literally light speed because of the, just the sheer surface area of the Surfer Joe thongs. And, uh, and then once we got the sand out, didn't stop there because now you need to get a little bit of traction. So we just wedged a line of Surfer Joe thongs underneath and we were out of there in no time. It was a beautiful thing. Winning. But have you ever been stuck in life? Like in life, you're thinking, you know, I got a purpose for my life. I've got a calling for my life. I've got a, a destiny and a, and a future. And, and then you find yourself stuck. I'm gonna be making gains, putting down the newspaper, doing the ab rolls as they're meant to be done. And you, and you find yourself stuck. And sometimes when we get stuck, which you, if you haven't been stuck, you will. Just keep breathing. It'll happen to you one day. Sometimes we get stuck because of our own dumb decisions, driving down sand dunes in a Kingswood at Anstey Beach, or sometimes we get stuck because of other things that happen to us, decisions other people have made or just circumstances. But the reality is getting stuck is a part of life, and even Jesus' followers aren't immune to getting stuck. The stuff we've been talking about in this series, Do You Even Lift? This is the third week. It, it, it applies to getting stuck. For example, week one, we talked about elevate your attitude. And for me, here's the thing. I'm in Sid Kingswood. I'm, I'm several feet uh, under the, the top of the sand. And I could have just, with my attitude, said to myself, well, <clears throat> I guess this is how it ends. <laughs> and then last week, we talked about elevate your influences, that we can't effectively follow Jesus by ourselves. that we need to actually, and God calls us to follow Jesus in the context of relationships. Again, if I was there in that car, bogged in Anstey Beach before mobile, that, that's how it would have ended if it wasn't for the fact that I had some buddies with me, that I was doing life together. And this morning, I want to talk, and we're finishing this series today, about grit, this, this essential quality that we are required to, to have and to utilize in life, particularly when we get stuck, that we need to elevate our grit. Now, if you missed, by the way, if you missed uh, the last two weeks of this series, it's available on our podcast. And I say that also to say that this week, uh, our podcast, uh, we cracked through 30,000 downloads of our podcast. So how about that, huh? It's fantastic. And that's a big shout out to our media team, who are the ninjas doing that, recording that, publishing that. And, and just to say this, God has always, always, 
I'm just going to make words up today. God has always used modern technology to spread his message. I'm going to be talking from a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome. Interestingly, the church in Rome, he didn't launch the church. He launched most of the churches that he ended up writing to, and we've recorded those letters that he wrote. This one he didn't launch. In fact, it's interesting, Jesus existed in Jerusalem, and yet because of the technology of the day, the Roman roads and the various transport mechanisms and the, and the Roman Empire, that the message of Jesus actually made its way from Jerusalem ultimately into Rome, which was the epicenter of the known world at the time. Here we have in 2019 the biggest communication shift that's happened in the last 500 years since the printing press made Bibles available to people in the known world. We now have technology that wasn't designed to see people follow Jesus, but God can take that and use that. And so things that are being taught here, which the feedback that we get is that they're helpful, which is the goal. Not just interesting. Well, it was interesting. Can you use it on Monday? Not really. I just put it in the drawer of interesting things. Helpful, that actually the, the, the ability to reach people and build people, we can now do that beyond just the people gathered here, which is pretty cool, huh? Plus, by the way, I tell church leaders this, these days the foyer has moved. That, that there was a time when you wanted to check out a church, your first impression was the foyer. Now the foyer has moved. The foyer is now the digital space. Most people that check out a church, just like a restaurant and so on, the same rules apply. Look up on the internet, do you have a website, is it any good, social media, and then maybe even listening to a podcast, a little bit of a, I'm going to dip my toe into the water where no one could find me space before maybe making way in here. So very exciting. As I said, shout out to our, uh, our media team for making that happen. Now, I do triathlon, and uh, I used to ride my bike as a part of training outside. I still ride my bike, but I no longer very often ride it outside because of said modern technology, that unfortunately, uh, this thing of distracted drivers makes cyclists even more invisible than we ever were. And uh, statistically, when a car hits the cyclist, it's almost always car one, cyclist zero. And I don't want to be that statistic. So I've got this kind of sweet little indoor setup and uh, great, safe and, and, and convenient. The downside of cycling training indoors is the sweat factor. The sweat factor, and you might have seen people in the gym on the exercise bike not reading the newspaper, actually working out, sweating, you think, that's disgusting. But it's hard to, it's hard to get around because you don't have the same airflow. And yeah, I've got a fan and all the rest of it. I, I can't do, do too much. It kind of pops my contact lenses out the back of my head. But, it, you know, it, but so I'm, about 18 months ago, I'm doing a training session and sweat forming. We've got hardwood floors, sweat's forming and puddles forming and it's spreading and spreading. It's, it's just sweat, people, okay? <laughs> and uh, about halfway through the session, I'd run out of my, my water bottles and I said, so I, I, I've got to step off and go and quickly refill my water bottles, get back on, finish the session. Now, cycling shoes are kind of the athletic cousin of tap dancing shoes. <laughs> they... They do not have a tacky rubber sole. And so I've done this. I've hooked myself over the back of the bike, put my foot down with my cycling shoes on, and instantly I, had, I experienced what they call in the skiing world having a garage sale where there was stuff everywhere. I had legs in places where they weren't meant to be pointing. I had shoes. I had bikes. It was all sorts of chaos. Having a garage sale 
in my little training space. And Louie hears this. She was down the other end of the house. And she comes out and she says, uh, are you okay? <laughs> now I have three options in that moment. One was to deny anything ever happened. Oh yeah, sure, I meant to do this. <laughs> Not everyone can do this. <laughs> or I could hide. I could just kind of like scooch behind the couch and say, well, what, why are you asking? Or I can just say, you know what? Not really. Are you okay? No. Nah. Nope. 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 I think I've strained some strains. And the reason I say that story is I want, when we talk about being stuck, I want to make sure that you and I are clear that as a church, we're not going to shame you. Because some of you aren't stuck right now. Some of you, as Jared said, you're on this mountaintop season. You're having a great... But if you're stuck, let's not ever be a church that points the finger or judges or shame. Instead, instead be the sort of church that asks the question, are you okay? With the hope that the person will give an honest answer that they don't have, feel they have to deny or hide. They can say, Ashley, no, I'm not. And there's a little phrase that, that floats around some church space. Some churches use this kind of like the catch phrase. Here, they would say, it's okay to not be okay. And you don't have to stay that way. That if you're stuck, it's okay to be stuck. And there's good news that Jesus is always pointing and empowering us to get beyond stuck. We say it a little bit differently. We say, come as you are, and you don't have to stay as you are. But I, I just wanna make that super, super clear that when we're stuck as a church, let's ask the question, are you okay? With the idea that we're gonna get around people, maybe get in the ditch with them, pull off your surfer joes, get busy and let's help them out. Because if you're stuck, then the word that I feel that God wants you to know this morning is your ditch is not your destiny. That if you've got the right attitude, which is an attitude of faith, that th this is my current situation, but it's not my final destiny, that if you are surrounding yourself intentionally with the right people who are willing to do some heavy lifting with you and sometimes even for you, and with what we're talking about today, grit, that your ditch is not your destiny. So let's take a dive into this letter that I mentioned that Paul wrote to the church in Rome. If you've got our app, you can open that up, tap the Bible title, it's gonna take you straight there to verse, verse 11. Paul's written this letter to the church in Rome and we've been drilling into it the last uh, few weeks, but he kind of kicks it up a gear in this part of the letter where he just starts dropping these kind of super helpful truth bombs. Boom, do this, boom, do this, boom, do this, boom, do this. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Coming at you thick and fast. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. And this is what he says. Writes to the church in Rome, verse 11, don't burn out, keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Boom, truth bomb. We could do a whole message on that. Then, be alert, servants of the master, cheerfully expectant. Boom, there's a message on that. Well, I don't have time for that this morning. So I'm gonna focus on this last one. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Now, I mentioned, I mentioned I do triathlon, and about four years ago, I decided to do a, a, a long course triathlon in Singapore. Now, we love Singapore. We love everything about Singapore, except for doing a triathlon in Singapore. Because on that day that I did this triathlon in Singapore, the uh, temperature uh, peaked at 39 degrees Celsius and 
99% humidity. Brutal, brutal. And there was a little bit of a, an early uh, uh, warning for me when I actually started cramping while I was swimming. So this triathlon is a swim, then a push bike ride, and then a run. I had started cramping while I was swimming, and I'm thinking to myself, it's not gonna be a very pretty day. So I got out, that was fine. I got through the bike uh, section just fine, no cramps on there. Got about, the run was 21K run at the end of that, and I got about 8Ks in. About 8Ks in. And look, if you've ever cramped, sometimes you get some clues, but mostly you don't. Mostly it's just like you go from not cramping to cramping in like that fast. Well, but when you do cramp, it's normally just one body part. Like, you know, I've got a hamstring cramp or something. For some reason, at the 8K mark of the run, everything cramped. I think, except my left earlobe, everything else cramped. Now, the reason this is problematic, see, if your quads cramp, like your quad cramps, part of the, the solution, part of the, the remediation is to stretch your quads. You do this, right? Or, alternatively, if your hamstrings cramp, you don't bend your leg, you, you do maybe do this, stretch your hamstrings. If your quad and your hamstrings are cramping simultaneously, you've got nothing. So I, would just, I was just standing there, 39 degrees Celsius, 99% humidity, and it looked, like, it looked like, like the scene from Aliens, like things were trying to kind of just get out from underneath my skin, like things were popping and locking, and, and I'm not in the good sense. And I'm like... And, and it, you know, it's kind of, kind of cute and kind of frustrating at the same time that some of my fellow competitors would be running past and they say, come on, buddy, you can do it. Come on, buddy, keep going. And I'm like, listen, here, I didn't pay the money to get a plane ticket over here so I could just stand here and spectate. If I could do it, I flippin' would do it. So stop saying that and rack off. <clears throat> Brutal. But I got to the finish line, 13 more kilometers, very ugly. Louis uh, found a, she was spectating. By the way, triathlon is like the world's worst spectator sport, okay? So if you ever think Louis is like superhuman and deserves like a bigger chest to put a bigger medal on, it's true. She's the one standing on the sidelines in the 39 degrees with the 99% humidity. Thankfully, she found a nearby vendor, only in Singapore people, who was selling fresh coconut water in the actual coconut. She went through, I think she said she went through around 17 or 18 coconuts whilst watching me on six occasions go past her like this. <laughs> I got to the finish line. The thing that, it, that caused me to get to the finish line was this idea, picture your better future. When you're stuck, and you will be, or you have been, or maybe you are right now, picture your better future. While you're stuck, picture your better future. While you're in the ditch, you might not even be able to see it in reality, but picture it. I couldn't see the finish line, but I knew it was there. The race had come with a promise of a finish line. God has given you a promise. You might not be able to see it in reality, but while you're, because you're stuck, but while you're stuck, picture 
your better future. There's a uh, junior primary school uh, asked their students to, uh, they gave them this little bit of homework thing, a uh, little sheet with a question, what will you be doing when you're 100 years old? And I really like uh, Graham's response. This is uh, how Graham answered. What were you doing when you're 100 years old? Breaking out of my tomb. <laughs> with illustrations. This is Graham picturing his better future. I freaking love Graham, man. I tell you, the world needs more Grahams, huh? <laughs> Don't call him Graham, but you know what I'm saying, the spirit of Graham. Um, there's a gym in the US, like this old school gym, like the, the weights, you know, you need a tetanus shot before you can join the gym kind of place. Gritty, grimy, rusty, stuff broken, just like an old school gym. And this gym, they've got like TV screens around the gym, and they play the film... Pumping iron, 24-7, 365, on loop. I don't know how they get around the copyright. I don't know if, 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 even if they pretend to get around the copyright. But they put, Now, if you don't know about this movie, this is Arnie. Uh, this is not uh, Arnie's head photoshopped on my body. This is actually Arnie. Uh, it's uh, like a sort of a documentary of Arnie versus Lou Ferrigno and a couple of other uh, kind of also-rans. Lou Ferrigno went out to become the Incredible Hulk um, and uh, this is them training and, and prepping for the 1975 Mr. Olympia. And they put this movie, this gym puts this movie on Endless Loop because they're, they're, they're trying to give the people working out in that gym a picture of a better future. That if you keep lifting this stuff, that's how Arnie got there. He didn't get there. Well, okay, maybe a few chemicals involved in the process, I understand. But he lifted and, and you can picture your better future when you're training at that gym. In fact, this letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome, he kind of sets it up and, and then he drops the rest of the stuff. And the setup of this letter is in light of all that Jesus has done, let's us do this. It's, it's like a letter of response that the setup is in light of everything that Jesus has done, let us do this practical stuff in our lives. And the big idea that we can take away from what Jesus has done is that he didn't quit when he was seemingly stuck. In fact, while he was seemingly stuck, being accused of a crime he didn't commit, being, being, being found guilty even though he was innocent, uh, being killed in the most brutal form of punishment the Romans had available at the time, brutal, to the point where Jesus even said at one point, man, God, is there another way around this? Like, I, I still wanna do what you sent me to do, but is it like an easier path? And then he said, actually, look, God, whatever you wanna do, not my will, but, but your will be done. And instead of Jesus, that for the, for the joy that was put before him, he endured the cross. That, 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 that he had a picture of a better future. And that better future was that you and I if we make a decision to follow Jesus, we can actually have a relationship with God. That we were separated because of sin. We were separated because none of us could ever, ever live up to God's standard, ever. None of us ever have. None of us ever will. And we could never bridge that gap. But Jesus came and he took our place. He took our sins upon him. And all the while, he was doing this, picturing a better future, a future 
where people could have a relationship with God, where sin was no longer the great divide. He didn't quit in hard times. Gavin, is this microphone on? (sighs) Nicolette, I need some help here, sweetheart. This church is listening like white people listen. It's just like... (laughs) Hook a brother up. Come on. Come on now. Come on now. Come on now. <sighs> and when you go to the gym, you need to know that, 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 that you've you got to lift stuff. You've got to put yourself in the place of discomfort to actually break things down. But, that, but know that breakdown precedes breakthrough. That your body, we're designed to actually then come back stronger. So if you're in the ditch now, do you know that's actually a setup for a comeback that's even greater than your experience before you got in the ditch? Because let's face it, why would anybody do something a wee bit more exerting than reading the newspaper on the Abro? Why would anybody lift some weights at the gym that puts the idea of unloading the dishwasher the following day kind of in a bit of a precarious situation? Might need to call someone for that. Why would anyone do? People do that because they understand that breakdown comes before breakthrough, that we need to do some lifting. And God does some restoring. In 2012, uh, lead up to 2012, Mel Gibson, uh, one of the uh, actors in Hollywood that was actually born in Australia, not New Zealand, like Russell Crowe, um, he'd, got himself in a, he'd got himself kind of blacklisted just in the lead up to 2012. He, he'd made some anti-Semitic comments, just some silly comments. I don't know why, don't know him. But they came out and they weren't cool and he, he kind of got ostracized from the Hollywood community. You know, he'd been the big deal. He directed The Passion of the Christ and, and all of a sudden he was on the outer. The 2012 American Cinematic Awards, uh, Robert Downey Jr. was receiving one of these awards and Robert Downey Jr. had specifically asked the organizers of this ceremony if Mel Gibson could present him with the award, which was not cool. And before Mel Gibson came up to give uh, Robert Downey Jr. the award, Robert Downey Jr. stood up in front of the gathering and he said this, when I couldn't get sober, because this was Robert Downey Jr.'s experience having had alcoholism take him out years before, Mel told me not to give up hope and he urged me to find my faith. It didn't have to be his faith or anybody else's as long as it was rooted in forgiveness. And I couldn't get hired, so he cast me as the lead in a movie that was actually developed for him. He kept a roof over my head, and he kept food on the table. And most importantly, he said, if I accepted responsibility for my wrongdoings, and if I embraced that part of my soul that was ugly, hugging the cactus, he calls it, he said, if I hugged the cactus long enough, I'd become a man of some humility and that my life would take on a new meaning. And I did. And it worked. Sometimes God will abracadabra you out of the ditch. And sometimes he won't. Sometimes the deliverance is an event. And yet other times the deliverance is a process. And sometimes that process looks like hugging the cactus. Doing something uncomfortable. 
doing something that maybe causes even a little bit more pain, or a little bit more exertion, doing some more lifting, hugging the cactus, Mel Gibson calls it. Because here's a great promise that Paul continues to write to the church in Rome, true for us. He gives us more real practical instructions. Bless your enemies. No cursing under your breath. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears when they're down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. If you're stuck, you will find this quite difficult. Because stuck people, have you noticed, stuck people can become prickly people. Stuck people, instead of hugging the cactus, can become the cactus. Because when we're in pain and when we're stuck, Jesus wants to do transformation. But if we don't allow him to take that role and take us through that process, instead of transforming, we start transferring. There's a very uh, famous principle that hurt people hurt people. A lot of the people that have caused you hurt in your world have hurt you because they were first hurt. And instead of allowing to be transformed, they chose to transfer. Because stuck people, instead of hugging the cactus, become the cactus. And if you're stuck, if you're prickly, then this will seem incredibly out of reach for you. And God doesn't just want you and I to get unstuck when we're stuck for our sake, though it is for our sake, though it's not only for our sake. Because in getting unstuck, in taking a season where we hug the cactus, go to counselling. And guess what? When you're sitting on that couch, your counsellor is probably going to ask you some questions that you think, oh, that hurt. Do some heavy lifting because the breakdown precedes the breakthrough. Hug the cactus. And when you do, and as we do, and as instead of transferring, we allow ourselves to be transformed, this stuff starts to actually look possible. Bless your enemies. No cursing under your breath. Huh. When we're not stuck, I, I, you know what? I think I could probably do that uh, most of the time. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears when they're down. You know, a lot of Australian culture is set up to be the antithesis of that. In another translation, Paul, it's translated as, as uh, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. A lot of Australian culture is set up, and by the way, it's getting worse, that we rejoice for those who weep. And then we weep for those who rejoice. This culture of, if someone's down, the Germans have a word for it. It's called Schadenfreude. You can look that up if you can spell it. It's, it's to take delight in someone else's pain. And that's not God's best. But when you're not prickly, when you're being transformed, you could do that. Because you actually hopefully have a heart that says when 
People around me are happy and they're up and they're joyful. I wanna rejoice with them. And, and when they're not full of joy and when they're down and when, and when the tears are coming, I wanna actually put my arm around, get in the ditch with them and say, you know what? We're in this journey together. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. It's a privilege to play our part in all that God is doing in and through you. To find out what your next step could be or to partner with us to reach more and more people by giving financially, head to our website elevatechurch.me and download our Elevate Church AU app, available wherever you download your apps.